Welcome to the Delipod with me, James Delipod. I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I am absolutely dying to hear what Ben Rubin has to tell me about all sorts of interesting things. Like, just put it in context. Ben sent me a very intriguing email, which I completely ignored for about a month, wasn't it, Ben, or something? Or I, because <laughs> I just get loads of stuff. You're a busy man, James. I'm a busy man. Um, and, and then I read it, and I thought, this looks like a really good story. And it's the kind of ordinary person who believes in the system, mugged by reality and discover, suddenly discovers how deep the rabbit hole go, goes. Is that, that sort of a fair summary? Yes. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So before, but, um, before we go on, um, I, I don't know about you, but I've always had this suspicion about the cult of the NHS. There are various things that have puzzled me about it for, for, for years, even, even when I, I, I was a normie, even when I didn't really understand how deep the rabbit hole went. And there were things that didn't make sense. For example, I never understood the imperative of getting an NHS supercomputer, which seemed to be, cost gazillions of pounds, of taxpayer pounds, to no useful purpose. And there were things that puzzled me, like... It was whenever a, a journalist even a, a, was prepared to uh, write a, an article critical of the NHS, which was very rare anyway, he would have to or she would have to sort of genuflect and, um, before the altar of the NHS and make the cross signs by explaining how, how wonderful the nurses were and how marvellous it had been when their mum had, had breast cancer and, and all these, these, these preambles before before saying but actually I had a bad experience and I'm a bit worried that it's less than perfect and I've always looked at the NHS and thought hang on this is a sort of Stalinist healthcare system uh, a sort of legacy from the from, from the the years after the after the second world war created by socialists on on a on a on model that is is no longer any use to the world if it ever was and we keep telling ourselves it's the envy of the world and actually it's an embarrassment. It's a national embarrassment. And yet still, even now, um, we have to click, we have to um, bang our pots and pans for it, etc., etc. So I'm really interested in talking, to, sorry, sorry to have bored everyone with that long preamble, but Ben, <laughs> Ben Rubin, tell me why, tell me about your background and why on earth you're on the Dulling Pod, first of all. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to do a bit of the uh, the genoflux thing as well, by the way, because it's important to do. Because the NHS actually is, I think, the most complicated organisation on earth. And I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at complex organisations and ecosystems and markets and, and that kind of thing. And I think the NHS is, is the most complicated by some distance. And, and it's all the things that you just said... But it's also the other end of the spectrum as well. So there are pockets of excellence in the health service. That's without doubt. And there are people working in the health service who are exceptionally well-intentioned and very smart and very effective. But at a systemic level, there's a rot there. There is. And um, I think it needs to it needs to be looked at because you don't get to fix things if you don't look at them. So before we go on, Ben, yeah. just tell us... Who the hell you are? What are you doing on the podcast? Because I mean, you've you've got quite an impressive background, um, and I'm interested 
it puts you it's yeah. going to put your revelations in context yeah i think it's, it's important to do that thank you for saying it's impressive you know i just kind of meandered through it and here i am but um you know so i'm i'm english for my sins uh born in 81 in east anglia lived around cambridge london the midlands went to university in leeds ended up in london and in the consulting industry and i've basically spent the last 18 years helping leaders of companies mainly so a lot of private sector work um, but leaders of complex organizations to affect change so consult if you're in consulting i mean it's that's that's one of those industries which pays really really well i mean but but you've you've got to be quite high powered to get one of those jobs is that right yeah, it was it was a, it was a professional role ultimately. So you know, it, it, I mean, it's a very diverse industry. But where I ended up was in a director position in one of the big four global consulting firms, so which was also an audit firm. So that made me a professional person. I was able to do business on behalf of the firm. So yeah, it's it's kind of up there with the doctor or a lawyer or you know any other kind of professional person. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a it's it's uh, yeah I suppose you might describe it as an as an elite profession you know as, as ever like some people within it are better than others and you know I was I was pretty good and um, the nature of the the period of time that I was working in it and I'm still involved in it I think was 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 kind of unique actually because uh, what what happened between the years of about 2006 seven and it's still going on now actually but we had this whole process of digitization. So it was a wholesale transformation of the entire economic system from an old school, traditional bricks and mortar, pen and paper, fax machine kind of model, which had been in, in place for, you know, decades. Um, and actually a lot of it had been in place for, for centuries, actually, you know, um, and everything became digitized and everything moved on to mobile and became virtual and that started off by transforming things like the music industry and the media industry you're a journalist you'll be very familiar with all of this stuff it's been going on for quite some time uh, and then just worked its way through the rest of the stack basically so all the different parts of the economic system because they were all being disrupted and, and change was being driven by the same macro trends right so the introduction of things like the iphone and the app store and um, the emergence of things like artificial intelligence and machine learning and the blockchain and all of the components of the fourth industrial revolution, right? People talk about it in those terms sometimes, right? There's, there's been a wholesale transformation of big chunks of the system. And because of that, I was very lucky as someone who was specializing in digital to have the opportunity to go across the top levels of the system because this was a strategic board level issue in every single organization that we were working with and speak to the top people understand what they were doing uh get into the business uh and um look at how the transition needs to be made and then work with them to, to affect that transition basically and 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 that was uh, a period of you know 10 years basically let's say of my life give or give or take um and uh that was um yeah that that was that, that was quite a unique experience i think i'd say that's given me a, a not entirely unique because there are a lot of people doing this kind of work but it's given me a fairly unique understanding of how all the different components of, of the 21st century tech enabled hyper globalized 
economic system works, as well as how governments reacting to all that stuff, how the charity charity sector is reacting to all that stuff, what the social impacts and implications of all that have been. Um, and you know that was kind of a fascinating period of time. Basically, and we, was, Ben, we presumably we couldn't. I mean, I, I'm a luddite. I I, I think te- technology has brought has done us more harm than good. Um, presumably, if I'd been running a business, any kind of business, there's no way I could have resisted this stuff. This was inevitable. This was a global thing, and yeah essentially i think it's uh, i i'm actually kind of a luddite as well by the way and also i don't i don't i'm not a developer i'm not a coder i don't know how to build the technology my job within all of this is to establish specifications so what are the requirements for it what does it need to do from a commercial perspective and from a um from a human perspective actually most importantly so what's the market asking for what do people want from this how do they want to interact with these services and it was yeah absolutely it was it, it was it was kind of inevitable it was uh the the smartphone you know i agree with you it, it probably has done more harm than good and i spent quite a lot of time recently reflecting upon the past 10 years of glorious success that i've just described to you and thinking oh actually hang on a minute was all of that quite right and did yeah. we think through the implications you, you helped build the prison camp didn't you mate? well yeah i mean maybe that may maybe yeah seriously you did maybe 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 we all did or maybe but you built the machine gun tower you bastard <laughs> anyway yeah so you do well, but, but, but but it's it's not it's the thing but it's, it's the same with anything right so it's like technology is as good or as bad as the people wielding it so I don't think that it's universally bad and can be deployed in ways that is incredibly positive, but it isn't necessarily. Yeah. And you need to look at how it's, this stuff's being built, right? And actually that's, you know, a big part of, of, of what we had to talk about, right? Is that is actually what's going on in the health system, yeah? Because yes. healthcare, healthcare comes la- has come last. We digitise all the other bits of the system first. Right. And the reason that healthcare has come last is because it is the most risk-averse. Because it's literally life and death. If you get something wrong, someone might die. And clinicians are rightfully incredibly sceptical about introducing new methods and new technology into situations where that is a, is a possibility. So it's come last. It's also the most complicated. Uh, like the existing systems in healthcare are unbelievably complicated. Like the, the NHS is built on a whole kind of various different strata of evolutionary developments of technology going back right the way to the the 50s and the 60s and some of that stuff still actually under there so i'm picking all of that is really quite hard um and uh but but it is but it is happening has been happening for for quite some time uh and you know i've I've actually been very involved in healthcare anyway for my whole for my whole life which is one of the reasons why i'm so interested in it uh, you know, my family, this is why I do the genofluxing, by the way, because it is, it, is, it is important to do. Right? Yeah, you've been um, brainwashed, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know necessarily think I've been brainwashed. I just think that it's important for people to understand that although the NHS is doing some really quite um, uh, uh, very questionable things, there are people working on the front lines who are actually really well motivated and incredibly empathetic, and they go into work every day to do, it, to do the best that they can do to improve other people's lives. But, and, you know, but Ben, that's, that's yeah. because that's because of their the nature of their calling. It's got nothing whatsoever to do with the system of which they're part, and the system uh, yeah, of which I, they're I part brainwashes them. the The number of doctors I would I would suggest who have been turned into radical leftists by the very system they work in, to the point where because doctors are good at 
some things and not good at others. And I would suggest that they are not the kind of people who have the critical thinking skills which enable them to understand that it's perfectly possible to have a healthcare system which is not which is not a top-down um, Stalinist model like we've got here. They, yep. they, they just buy into the system without even questioning it. And I, I can well, never forgive the NHS for that, among many other things. Yeah, I mean, there, there's actually there's quite a lot of fight back going on at the moment it, against the system itself, right? So I speak a lot to consultants and senior clinicians, and, and what they're complaining about is the interference and the constant fiddling from the centre, basically. So actually, people on the ground, are, they're, they're, they're not necessarily completely beholden. Although I agree with you that it's basically become a, a, a sort of hard left-wing shibboleth, like this thing that we cannot criticise. And, you know, in a lot of a lot of ways, it's kind of ex- they see it as an extension of the welfare state, right? Yeah. It's like, well, it's, it's going to, and, and a lot of that's to do with employment, right? So it employs like, I think, 1.7 million people or something like that. And it's like, well, we can't, you know, we can't change the NHS because then where would all these people do? It's like, well, I'm not, you know, we're paying for it with taxpayers' money. Like, the, the, we should be driving towards efficiency and deploying those people on actual, you know, value generating activities in the private sector. That's probably a good thing for us to do. But they don't want to have that conversation. And that's their, that's a problem for them because ultimately they're dragging the whole thing down. And that's a discussion that needs to be had but again like i said at the start it's an incredibly complex organization and it's kind of all things at once so as much as it's very left-wing and 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 public sector and dominated by politics and all that kind of thing it's also at the same time kind of already been privatized right so people talk about this creeping privatization of the nhs but in many ways that's already happened yeah so what you see from the outside is the public sector uh facade Right, and yeah. we can go to it, and it's free, and all that kind of good, warm, cozy stuff. But actually, there's 25 billion a year going to big pharma every year, right? 25 billion pounds a year going to big pharma, and that's projected to expand considerably on the back of all of these various programs, whether it's vaccination or you know whatever else that um, they're pushing on us um, any given moment. Uh, tens of billions to PPE manufacturers through the pandemic. We've all seen that. I mean, that was it was, you know, they, they basically looted the Treasury overseen by Rishi Sunak. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable what went on there. And, you know, everyone's aware of that. And um, well, would you know, you, you, so when you say the, the, they looted the Treasury overseen by Rishi Sunak, you're saying that he was complicit in this? Well, I think it's it, it's. I think that the I think that the anyone in the, the top levels of government, and if you were sitting around the, the cabinet table, and and actually probably if you were in the, the shadow cabinet as well because they were all cheering it on yeah. essentially. I mean, not necessarily the PPE stuff because actually the the socialists think that the government should have done everything as opposed to the private sector doing it, but they still think that they should have done it. So there's no argument about you know whether lockdown should have happened or whether yeah. the test and trace should have happened. It's just that they think government should have done it and the money should have gone there versus going to the private sector, right? So actually, yeah. it's like you're both saying the same thing. It's just that you would have done it in a slightly different way. Yeah. But I don't think that you could have sat around that that cabinet table uh, in any position at all, let alone the person actually holding the purse strings, and not have been fully aware of where that money was going to and quite how unaccountable and how and how disgraceful the behavior was it's just not possible yeah right i'm with you and as cut and dried as that right and 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 that's just ppe right so actually there's well over a hundred billion so ppe's of tens of billions there's well over a hundred billion that has been uh put towards these um utterly ridiculous 
programs, the two of them in particular, Test and Trace. Um, so we know that um, 37 billion went to the Test and Trace program. And a big chunk of that went to Serco, and a big chunk of it went to a load of other people. And as as far as I'm aware, as uh, the, I think still about 80% of it is, is unaccounted for. Right, so it's £37 billion in two years, 80% of which we don't know where the money's gone, and it delivered almost no discernible benefit. Right, So there was no real impact on the spread of the virus. Right, It was just spent. Yeah. And, and to put that in context, the, the, um, the Elizabeth line, which has just been opened in London, yeah. that took t- 10 years to build and cost £18 billion. And we've been left with an enormous piece of infrastructure that is, you know, I've been on it, it's okay, it's another train line, great, but it's there. It's going to yeah. be there for, for decades. So, and, 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 you know, they had to bore the tunnels and lay the track and do all of that stuff, right? I mean, there's a huge amount of investment and we got something for it. Test and trace, you've got double the amount of money in 20% of the time, just, and it's just evaporated. So, no one how much again did you say? 37 just... billion. 37 billion. Ooh. Yeah, that's Dido Harding. We'll come back to Dido in oh, a do. moment. Oh, yeah, please yeah. do. <laughs> um, and then the other one, which was a fascinating one, Operation Moonshot. And a big chunk of this money went to Deloitte. Deloitte, you know, the, one of the big four. Um, and, uh, you know, they've been filling their boots on this, um, as they have with a whole bunch of other stuff. Average partner bonus at Deloitte is over a million, right, in the past two years. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how many right. partners and, and, are there? Uh, I'm not sure. It's probably a few hundred in in the UK. Uh, I don't know the exact number. I'd have to look into it. By the it. way, the, the sound is much better when you talk You talk nearer to the mic. Maybe you should move it. Or, or, or... How's that? Yeah, that's much better. Okay. I was Good wondering right. how to make you do that, but <laughs> I think it was so obvious. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Operation Moonshot, that was... Um, I think it was a. Oh, I can't. I think it was. I think it was a hundred billion set aside to um, to test every single member of the British population every week for COVID. That's what they were going to do. They were going to and they were going to go around and they, had, they were going to mobilise teams of people and they were going to get all the testing and obviously people were going in and kind of doing this anyway. I've never been tested myself, um, but they, they that 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 was that was the ridiculous task that they set out to 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 um to complete and to, and who to was run that? that was that came out of the department of health um i don't know who was overseeing it when I mean, it was obviously it was hancock at the time um and but but a lot of that money went to deloitte or they were put in in prime position to run the program essentially um and again it's like what i mean that's just crazy you don't you don't need to do that because right and by, and by this time certainly if you're listening to this podcast you probably realize that it, it was a flu type virus right so it's like not really that dangerous and the idea that we're going to spend a hundred billion uh on testing everyone every week when we've dealt with this for the whole of human history up until this point without any kind of need for any of this stuff is, is yeah. absolutely absurd right um, but obviously, what we've got left, what we're left with now, is the infrastructure for a biosecurity state that's been built. You know, so these apps and these control systems—they're uh, they're, they're a big part of the legacy that's been left behind by these, by by these, by these, uh, by these activities. And, and you know, to, to to kind of really sort of needle down on 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 what this is for me, this this is fascism, cut and dried. 
the the one of part of Mussolini's definition of fascism and Mussolini invented fascism is that it is the fusion of the corporations and the state. They effectively become the same thing and they work to each other's ends and that's exactly what's happened here. It's it's, it's corporate state capture is the dictionary definition of of fascism and actually i think anyone in any of these big firms whether it's big force so ey kpmg pwc deloitte uh, or any of the um, systems integrators like accenture or cognizant or Infosys, which was founded by rishi sunak's father-in-law who've been filling their boots building these systems and doing this work on behalf of government over the past three years you've got some serious questions to answer as far as i'm concerned that's very, very interesting and also simultaneously depressing. Um, right. <laughs> so, so there's two elements here. Aren't there? Um, two, there's, there's the one that's going to distract people, I suspect, which is the here are these incredibly corrupt, entitled um, parasites who have made like bandits at the expense of ordinary folk, people are having experiencing genuine misery. Uh, they've lost their jobs. They've, their small businesses have been closed down. Um, they have no no future. Their their health's been damaged. But but the uh, a sort of an element in the country. People at the places like um, the one places you named, all the all the consultancies of stuff. Uh, and anyone lucky enough to be, say, Matt Hancock's pub landlord and stuff like that, they've just made obscene amounts of money, which we're now going to be taxed for, and uh, we're going to have our tax taxes put up. We're going to have this is what this is what Jeremy Hunt is doing now, the Chancellor. He's just just trying to say, look, we've raped you, and now we need to rape you again to um, just to make sure that you've been properly raped. And your um, kids. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's the other element, the, un- the underlying thing, which I'm not sure is sort of whether it's planned by the same people or what, which is the, the, the um, embedding within the entire system of uh, the control mechanisms for the future biomedical fascist state. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what these systems are, essentially. I mean, it, it's, it's, they've, they, they've put in place the capability for a social credit system like straight off the bat right and and um you know that's that's already happened in china that's been running in china for, for some years now and essentially that this infrastructure will enable that to happen across western nations um the amount of information that they intend to hold on us is i think absolutely unacceptable um and once you begin to integrate you know all these platforms integrate in the back end and you know you've got big technology companies that have access to them you've got all the different um components of the military military intelligence infrastructure in in the west has has got access to this stuff you know they are coalescing around a a single unified view of absolutely everything about every single citizen that exists within within western societies and actually beyond western societies it's it's basically a world platform right because a lot of it's being built to specifications that are being handed down from places like the who Right. And and um, that's that that's what's been going on. That's absolutely what's been happening. And and yes, I, I suppose and this is this is really why you're on the show, isn't it? Because you have had you, you've, you've witnessed this happening. Yeah. 
I have. I mean, I've been watching this whole thing play out, and actually, and I've been, I've been um, party to a lot of the other stuff that's been going on in the health system, actually, which I, I might just touch on first because um, I'm, I'm part of a uh, a public health charity called Public Health Collaboration. I'm a trustee. And uh, the reason that I joined is because, well, first of all, they were actually the only people I could see standing up and saying things in public from kind of within the medical establishment about what was going on over the past few years. And we're actually critiquing it publicly. So one of our colleagues, Asim Malhotra, was being very vocal. One of our former colleagues now actually seems gone on to, to, to fight his good fight and do his what a fantastic work that he's 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 um he's continuing to do. But he was talking out in October twenty one, I think it was, about the vaccination program, basically pointing out that actually this whole thing doesn't really make any sense and maybe we should be questioning it and actually that attracted my attention. And once I got into um the charity that he was part of, which wasn't set up to, to do anything to do with vaccines, by the way, it's just entirely focused on improving the nation's metabolic health. Um, but actually, there's a huge amount of parallels between what's happened over the past three years and what PHC has been dealing with for the, since 2016 when it was set up, right? Which is that um, the 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 environment inside the health system, the, uh, the, the 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 information ecosystem, right? The the, the way that knowledge and um, and facts, essentially, what are deemed to be institutional facts, are um, controlled and are pushed into the system by organizations like uh, Public Health England, which no longer exists, actually it had to be disbanded and has now become what they call UCSA, the UK Health Security Agency. UCSA. Well, that's a horrible yeah. title. It's a terrible name, isn't it? Yeah, they love that. <laughs> that... Also, the whole bunch of people from Public Health England, which had to be disbanded, now work in UCSA, right? So it's just a kind of smoke and mirrors thing to, to make the problem go away. Right, but essentially, what what's, what was happening was um, the the uh, public health thing in it became become so corrupted with misinformation put in there by the food and the pharmaceutical industries, it effectively become redundant. And a lot of the issues that we face today in terms of uh, chronic illnesses like diabetes and Alzheimer's and cancer and heart disease and a whole bunch of our like the, the biggest killers. Uh, can be addressed very effectively through um, changes to people's diet and their lifestyle. And we don't need the constant drive towards pharmaceutical medicine that is the the kind of base level... Um, so, uh, the, 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 you know, the, sort of the computer says no position of, of the... Of, of, of the, the the um of clinicians in the west right? it's, it's completely beholden to the pharmaceutical industry it's basically set up as a sales channel for for big pharma and as i said before they've been putting 25 billion a year out of of the nhs um for quite some time yeah how does right. that how does that work by the way you see is, is it a sort of flat flat fee that gets allocated to, to all the different companies or what yeah, so they, they, they have some caps on it. Um, the, uh, so, you know, the, and, and the pharmaceutical industry make a lot of noise about, you know, how difficult it is to make money in, in the health system and all that kind of stuff. But actually, in, in reality, you know, they, they have been, um, they've been making money hand over fist in there for decades. And, the, you know, they got their, their tentacles into the, the, 
the, the, the way that clinicians are educated really importantly. So actually, you know, you come out of med school, you're basically they're going to be prescribing things to people because that's what you've been trained to do. Uh, the research environment's been contaminated by, by a lot of big pharma money. And you even have very senior private sector people from top level positions in the pharmaceutical industry doing top level drug procurement roles for a period of time before they spin off and go back into the private sector. And there's absolutely no, as far as I can tell, there don't appear to be any checks and balances going on around those roles. Yeah. You know, so as I said, it's, it is it's kind of co- it looks like corporate state capture to me. Uh, and that's that's true in pharmaceutical is also really true in technology as well you know it's kind of venturing into what we were talking about right so you know the 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 system has been corrupted on the pharmaceutical side of things but it's also a, a lot of the technology that the nhs is buying it it should be able to build itself right it, it doesn't need to be working with these big outsourcers like some of the names that I mentioned earlier right so the Infosys and the Accentures and the, the Cognizance and the people that are building these technology platforms there's a lot of other smaller boutique ones as well it should be able to build its own tech but it, it apparently is incapable of that and, and it wastes billions tens of billions on programs that just don't land you mean you um, mean the, the NHS could have a kind of what a department of programmers uh, creating this this creating the, the, the technology systems that they need for, or, or what yeah it should do it, it, it should if, if it was being run properly i i believe that the nhs could operate like a big tech company and, and actually you could and it, 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 it could be building technology for the british population and then licensing that over to, to international markets and it and it will turn technology into a profit center rather than being a, a, an enormous overhead, which is what it is currently. And there are a few big firms that are basically, uh, that the NHS is completely beholden to, um, you know, a couple of big UK firms, but also big international companies as well. Um, and that's just in the kind of, even, even just in the more legacy, the older infrastructure, the stuff that's been there for a few decades. But even today, you've got big tech firms like your Microsofts and your Googles and people like that who are coming in and sniffing around and saying, well, we want to run our algorithms across this and you can buy our cloud computing infrastructure to do that. And it's like, okay, well, why, why do we need you? Why do we need you, American advertising company, to come into our health system with your profit motive? Because that's what you're doing. You're trying to make as much money as you possibly can. You're not there to... I mean, you're nominally there to, to improve the health of the nation. But also, let's be honest, you've got a share price and, and a whole bunch yeah. of people that you need... To, and a few billionaires floating around, you know, all that kind of stuff. Why, why do we need you to do that? Why can't we do that ourselves? And uh, yeah, a lot of it's to do with um, the, the the NHS culture, you know, so um, what we call like a big IT mentality, this idea that, you know, you've got to have a thousand people, you can't just have four people doing it, you know, cause, which, which would actually be a much more effective way, particularly when you're, you're doing something really innovative, you want a small team of people who can move really quickly and test and learn and break things and, and then when it becomes something that you can scale, then you scale up. What the NHS does, it comes in and says, well, we've got a thousand programmers here and we've got a 2,000 people in the project management office and obviously we've got to get all the different people from all the different departments to come in and they've got to have their say and everyone needs to feel good about it. It's like you haven't done anything and you don't know what you're building. Right. right and 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 you and and the whole thing is just just over engineered basically right and 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 that's and that's i think you know i believe that that's true across the system unless someone can show me some examples of where it, where it isn't operating like that then you know i'd be very happy but, to see them but i can't see them at the moment i'm also guessing that the the companies that um 
these consultancies, the, the, these these consultancies that, that provide the tech, I imagine they charge well over the market rate because it's because they know it's a cash cow because they know it's taxpayers' money and 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 it's it's so ill run that they can't really get. Yeah, it's, I mean, they, they they are kind of screwed down. It, it's not it's not quite the same as operating in the private sector. I I wouldn't say, but there, but that's, but there are a lot of you know there 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 are partners in the big firms. The biggest the biggest industry sectors, by some distance, in the big consulting firms, is always government. Yeah, so they they're kind of screwed down a bit on the on the price, but they they're they're always the biggest sectors, and they you know in, 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 in and there are people. So actually, there was a famous example of um, back at the start of the pandemic with BCG Boston Consulting Group. They were charging people out to the treasury uh, seven and a half thousand pounds a day, right? At the start of a public health crisis, right? So we're going to come in rather than sort of roll our sleeves up, muck in, and help solve the problem. Yeah. We are going to sting you for seven and a half grand a day per consultant. Yeah, it's one person. Uh, and um, what sort of skills a, a, were these consultants bringing to the party? It's probably some complicated data analytics skills. So it's quite tricky stuff, right? It's not to say that it's easy to do necessarily, yeah. And obviously there is a, there's a meritocracy within there, right? So if it's really hard to do, then you can generally charge more for it. And mm. if it's grunt work, then you're not going to get the day rates. But 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 they have been in there earning a hell of a lot of money on the back of what is supposedly the the biggest public health crisis that's that's gone on in in a generation, right? Yeah. So that, that's 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 absolutely been happening. Yeah. This um, this would be shocking. Even if, even if the pandemic had been real, rather than a complete <laughs> fabrication, wouldn't it? I mean, the fact that it's a fabrication just just takes it. Is the icing on the cherry on the cake? It just takes it into unicorn land. But it's bad enough. If 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 the official version was true that this was an unprecedented, you know, unprecedented since the Spanish flu, it's 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 pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's 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 pretty bad. I I you know my personal view is the system needs to be it needs to be replaced. Right? And, and and you know I was speaking to I was speaking to my father about this last week actually, and his his view is that there hasn't been a an honest government in this country since the Labour government after the war, which established the NHS. And that may or may not be true. I don't know if they were even honest, to be honest with you. But it's entirely gotcha. possible that the health system is actually corrupt in its formulation now, right? So the way that it's been set up, and actually UCSA, UK Health Security Agency, honestly, it's the worst acronym ever. But I, I, I kind of like saying it because it's yeah, yeah. so bad. UCSA, yeah. um, they are they 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 they're being plundered at the moment by 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 consultants you know it's the, it's the mckinsey's and the the bcgs and the baines it's those sorts of people on the on the, the four grand the five grand a day type people that are they're in there ma- making a load of money which as I, said, as I said before is actually the technical definition of the word fascism so we basically got a, a fascist state paying people thousands of pounds a day millions of pounds a year each to build digitized control systems to manage and manipulate the, the population who have to pay for it all. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. just absurd. It's absolutely absurd when you, when you look at it in context like that. 
And and the thing is, most people don't because right? if you're if you're a doctor, you, like you're not thinking about that stuff really. What you 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 focus on doing the day to day tasks mm-hmm. and the systems over here doing what the system's doing. You know it's kind of bad, but I don't think people really understand quite how bad it is up there. Mm. Um, and actually, that stuff, you know, my personal view is like anything more than sort of like ten foot above the ground, just get rid of it. And actually, you probably find that you'll save a load of money. The service will improve enormously, and um, you know everything better basically. I think we can agree on that, Ben. But I think we can also surely agree that it ain't gonna happen because this is all part of the plan. I mean that 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 I've got this this theory, um, which is that there is always the official reason for that that these things happen, which is public health is really important we we need a, a, a database to enable us to deliver our, our our services free at point of use more efficiently uh it's it's the national religion the envy of the world etc etc and people are particularly more than ever concerned about health now having because of their experience of things like long covid so there, there, there's 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 what what you'll read in the newspapers and 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 stuff and then there's the the real reason, which in this case is that it is another way of harvesting uh, data, of exploiting us as, as, as su- uh, sucking our blood in, in all sorts of different ways. So selling our medical information to outside interests. Um, whoever wants it, yeah. Whoever wants yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And well, even more s- sinister than that, t- tinkering with our... Once, once they've got our a genetic code which presumably won't, won't be very far away they'll be able to do all sorts of things like sort of potentially kill off specific groups or or, or whatever well you so you, you yeah you, you've landed on something there haven't you because actually so, so so all this stuff's going on right so we talked about the the way the system is structured the corruption that's going on the amount of money that's being made by the by, by, by the private sector the fact that this is actually really fascist uh, and the, and that it's been set up in a way that that's really designed to enable this behaviour. And there's no one in government, as far as I can tell, who who's willing to change it or understands the system well enough to change it. Right. So there's probably some people on the left, as they might describe themselves, who 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 may be well-meaning, but they don't they can't keep up with these people. Right? These are predators. Yeah. You know, you talked about parasites. You talked about parasites. I talk about predators and parasites. Right? Parasites one thing. Predators another thing. They move a lot more quickly, and in some ways they're a lot nastier, right? And and the thing that um, is on everyone's lips in healthcare and has been for a little while now is this word genomics. And this has roots in the work done by Francis Crick and James Watson, who published a paper in 1953 in Nature, which laid the groundwork for understanding the structure and the function of DNA. Yeah. And it's evolved from there into this interdisciplinary field of biology. And it's about um, understanding our genetic code and manipulating our genetic code in a way that will transform biology. Right. That's, that's what people are seeking to do. Um, and you know, fast forward from 1953, there was a project which launched in 1990 called the Human Genome Project, which you may have heard of. Which, after a few years, was then headed up. So it was initially launched in 1990. In 93, a guy called Francis Collins became the director of it. Francis Collins has been Anthony Fauci's number two for quite some time at the NIH in the US. 
Um, that program ran for about 12, 13 years, published around 2005, a whole bunch of findings. And then uh, building on that, a couple of projects were announced by the UK government to take that, that science, essentially, and turn it into what's been described as a biotechnological industry that is unheard of right now, right? And they've been building the infrastructure to enable this, essentially. So at the 2012 Olympics, David Cameron introduces this thing called the 100,000 Genomes Project. So rather than just being the Human Genome Project, we're actually going to dial it up and we're going to get to 100,000 genomes. I don't know exactly how many were in the original project, but this was a, a step forward. And a lot of this is being driven by increases in computational power. This is all Moore's law, right? So the reason that you, there wasn't much going on between 53 and 1990 is because the computers weren't powerful enough to actually go in and, 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 and sequence the information, the huge volumes of data that exist in our, in, in our genetic sequence. They weren't able to do it. So as the technology has become more powerful and advanced, our ability to do this stuff has, has, has at the same time become more advanced. So in 2012, David Cameron announces this thing called the 100,000 Genomes Project. The, the year after that, Jeremy Hunt, current chancellor, at that point he was the health secretary, announces the creation of something called Genomics England, which was put in place to oversee the delivery of that project. And that delivered in 2018. Yeah, so we got to the point of 100,000 genomes sequenced in 2018. And then from there, the strategy has been to turn that from being just a project which delivered a set of outcomes, right? So these um, sequenced genomes for 100,000 people, but to turn it into what they call a platform. So that it becomes an enabler of other activities that are carried out by the NHS and by partners in places like the pharmaceutical hang on, industry. Hang on, Ben, hang on, hang on a second. I'm doing a podcast. Sorry, carry on, Ben. Sure. So that's um, so that's that that that's 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 been going on, and that's and that's all publicly funded. So you're looking at um, billions of pounds spent building a data platform to contain genetic information of members of the UK population. It started off at 100,000. They then wanted to push to 5 million people. I think they're up to about 500,000 now. But the idea is ultimately to build what they call a population level data set where every single person in the UK has their genetic data um, taken at birth. Essentially, it becomes part of the, the neonatal pathway, right? So you pop out a mum, you have your blood taken, you're on the database yeah, immediately. Oh. Um, yeah, right. So it's, 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 it, and, and, and they're, they're, they're doing that right now. And what, uh, what potentially could they do with this? So suppose you were a baddie. I mean, okay, never mind if they're good. If you were a yeah, baddie, right. what could you do with this stuff? Well, if it's, you know, so he's presented as, as being the next generation of healthcare, right? It's all about preventative health and making sure that we can treat these emergent diseases, these really bad diseases that actually we know at public health collaboration, you could actually address by changing people's diet. Yeah, so if you change your diet, get people to exercise better. A lot of these, a lot of these degenerative diseases, they go away. You don't need this thing to come along and start poking around with your genetic code. I think the risks are, are I mean, it's difficult to overstate, to be honest with you. And actually, if you look at what genomics is, I actually view it as a, a rebrand of eugenics. Right, it's about directing evolution. 
And rather than just doing it in the way that the Nazis did, because eugenics informed the Nazis' approach to the concentration camps, right? Like they wanted to, they, they wanted to ethnically cleanse their population in order to, in order to, to artificially direct it in, a, in, a, in, a, in towards places where they thought were more beneficial for the people of Germany. Um, genomics essentially allows the same thing and it allows them to do it in a much more sophisticated way. And I, you know, I, I think if if you were a bad actor, say. Uh, you know, heaven forbid that a bad actor would build or gain access to something like this. It would mean that you could micro-target populations based on their genetic signatures, and you could deploy that in a whole number of ways. I mean, it would basically be, it could be something like, well, I want to invade a country, but I only want to kill a certain part of the population, and I don't want to destroy any of the infrastructure, so I'll create a virus or a toxin or something that only kills these people boom done and and that information would exist within a platform like this i believe right yeah so i think it's, inc- it's incredibly dangerous i think it's like a manhattan project for for healthcare right you know the manhattan project yeah the, to, to build the, the atomic bomb at the, at the, at the, during the second world war i think it's it's, it's at that level I, um, I would imagine that that I'm sure I've read articles to this effect where they they talk about the wonderful um, potential of the human genome project, and they would talk about they would they would single out sort of fashionable obscure diseases like sickle cell anemia, and they would say this is created this is this is particularly harming the black community because. Uh, a genetic defect has has made them vulnerable to this condition, which is which is curable if only we can tamper with the genes and and we can edit it out of our out of our system. Is that is that yeah. how they do it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to sickle cell, right? Um, but, but yeah, just, but whatever. No, no, but it's, it's a good. Exa- it's a very good example. Um, but but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, and um, you know, so and, and that and that's how it's presented, right? So, you know, so so when you know, if you really want to understand what this is, the best place to start is um, reading Genome UK, which was the strategy set out by Lord Bethel, right? Who was uh, so senior... dodgy, isn't he? I, I, something really yeah. creepy about him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think anyone circulating around um, the top levels of the Tory party, and, and I don't trust Labour anymore, by the way, they just yeah. corrupt in a different way. Uh, I, 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 de- I question them. I, 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 I'm deeply untrustworthy about them. I mean, just for example, just as one example, while Lord Bethel was writing this strategy for the future of healthcare, and as I understand it, he's completely unelected official, by the way. He's just a, a mate of Bojo's from Oxford days kind of thing, right? You know, and actually, you know, the same with Dido Harding, actually, right? It's like if you did PPE at Oxford or Modern History or something like that in the late 80s and you're in the crowd, then here you are, you're now running the country. Hey ho, let's go at it. But, you you know, while he was writing this this report, he was also getting into an eighty-five million pound PPE scandal, right? So he's got his fingers all over this misuse of public fund stuff that was going on during the pandemic, while at the same time writing this report, which sets out the future of the British healthcare system. So, hang on a minute, why why would we allow this guy who appears to be demonstrably criminal and hangs around with people who are extremely nasty and noxious? to define the future strategy for our health system. That seems like a really, really bad idea. And yeah. that's just, just one example, by the way. It's also, you know, the Topol Review, which was written a few years
years before, which sets out a roadmap for the future technology that's going to be used across the NHS. And Eric Topol was a signatory of a letter denouncing Robert Malone when Malone went on to Joe Rogan's podcast at the end of 2021 and basically said, hey, guys, this, this vaccine program appears to be going completely off. Like it's completely out of whack and it needs to be examined and probably stopped. Topol was one of the people who signed the letter saying we can't listen to this guy, he's dangerous. And as far as I'm concerned, Malone is, is basically a hero and he's been right on pretty much everything that he's said. So it then makes me go, well, hang on a minute, Topol, why are we going to implement your technology strategy? Shouldn't we be reviewing that too? Should we not be reviewing Lord Bethel's Genome UK strategy, right? Particularly when you look into like what what it actually they actually say that it's going to do right so ben, benjamin netanyahu talked about this he described it as a biotechnological industry that is unheard of right now unimagined even because the israelis are building one as well yeah and actually the ecosystem of people and the, the companies and the partners that are circulating around this it would deep roots into israel right as well as into the us uh, and actually a lot of the technology that is being used to enable this stuff is being created by an American company called Illumina, right? So they make the machines that do the genomic sequencing, Illumina, right? And That's got um, a, a nice ring about it. It, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Satana? That would be another thing, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> right. Yes, well, quite. Yeah, exactly. When I was thinking about this, you know, when you, we work in a company, I used to work at a company called Seren, and we used to call each other the Serenites, you know, yeah. and then no, I worked at a company called Bow and Arrow, and we were called the Archers, right. you know. But do you, what do you think the Illumina call themselves? I, I, oh, I can't think. Um, uh, Illuminatrons? No, no, no. no. Like, you kind of, I, I have to have a think about it, right? Yeah, but, yeah. So, so you've got this guy, so Francis D'Souza, he's the CEO. Yeah. Right, and he's also on the board of Disney, by the way, remarkably. A, they love kids at Disney. Uh, yeah, apparently. apparently they do. And also yeah. Phil Schiller's on the board of Illumina, he's on the board of Apple. Scott Gottlieb, who's a former FDA commissioner and now, and then now on the board of Pfizer, so he's gone, um, you know, uh, gamekeeper turned poacher big yeah. time, and he's also on the board of Illumina. And David Cameron... Right, no. the guy. Yeah, right. So David Cameron, so who's obviously he's our former PM, yeah? yeah, you know, Flashman himself. Uh, he who announced the project in the first place, yeah. So back in 2012 at the Olympic Games, announced yeah. that this was the, the hundred thousand genomes project. He's now lobbying for them, so he's being paid by Illumina to promote their agenda. And obviously, you know, him and Bojo and Bethel and all that, they go way back. This is all a bit suspect, isn't it? And hey, actually, <laughs> I go way back with these people as well. I mean, I, I used really to, do. I used to smoke joints with David Cameron in my in my room in Peckwater Three uh, at Oxford, right? Um, and I'm thinking, why aren't I a, a consultant at Illumina or a BlackRock or these love these other lovely? Because you know, mm. yeah, I knew Bethel, I I, I knew Osborne. Uh, you know, I used to see him in the in the, in the school playground because our kids were at the same school for a while. I knew Cameron, I knew Bojo, all these people. You're right. I mean, it is a kind of the, 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 he has gone and looked through his yearbook for for what eighty people who, who would have who would have um, matriculated in eighty four, eighty three, eighty five. Uh, it's that Oxford generation. It's extraordinary. It is. It, yeah, it, it 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 is extraordinary. It re it really is extraordinary, and 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 you know this is 
people have been talking about this crowd for a little while. I mean, ever since they took power in 2010, right? It's, you know, they're, they're, they're known and they've done... Uh, they've done what they've done. They've been running the country. They're, as far as I'm concerned, right, you know, like they're, they're running it into the ground. But, it, you know, Blair was doing a good job of laying the groundwork for that before them as well. So it's not yes. down to them. It's probably 25, 30, 40 years worth of governance that, that's got us into the position that we're in today. I was going to ask you that. Do you yeah. think that this, all this was planned a very long time ago? Well, I, th- I think that what the, the, the rapidly accelerating the managed decline is where we're at now i that's how i would describe the system as, as it's currently set up like they're, they're deliberately trying to destroy the system so that they can replace it with something else it's been probably um, heavily linked into these digital control systems and the central bank digital currency and all these things that are now kind of coalescing much more closely together into something which is recognizably ah okay this is probably um getting a little bit a little bit um a little bit too real for people you know and people are going to have to you got the people are going to have to come it's one of the reasons why i'm doing this now right it's a bit, we've collectively got to come together as a, outside of the political system outside of the health system as a society as a united people yeah british people english people we've got to talk about this because there is a very clear direction of travel and no matter whatever the hand waving and the fanfare and the ooh this ooh that going on in the houses of parliament or anywhere else in the media the direction of travel is clear it hasn't changed and if we want to retain uh any vestige of britain as we knew it or what we thought it was and what i think it still is actually in the hearts and minds of the vast majority of the population then we have got to we've got to work out how how, how to um how to change tack here there's it, it, there's no question about it right because this 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 whole thing this, this whole thing stinks i mean just one example right so this guy francis Souza at the world economic forum in mid jan sitting on stage talking about uh the sequencing that they did for covid right so he the CEO of Illumina was in China in late 2019 and he did the sequencing of COVID on behalf of the Chinese government. And that software, essentially, because they're taking a biological problem, they're turning it into a software problem, that was what was provided to Moderna and BioNTech to create their vaccines. What? Right? Yes. Yeah, so, 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 so these... And, and to this very small group of people in the top levels of the, the, the technology and the pharmaceutical industries and collaborating with um, tyrannical dictators like the CCP have then been the people driving the response to this virus, right? So then Moderna, which has created a whole bunch of billionaires and, he, you know, what's his name? Stefan Bussell was, I think that's right, he was up in front of, um, you know, Rand Paul last week getting questioned about all this stuff and... You know the um, and BioNTech, which is basically the Pfizer vaccine. You know the, the 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 billions that have been made on the back of the work that's been done by these people. We've got direct links into the top levels of British government, and, and it's 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 there's, there's too there are too many dots connecting at this point for this to be ignored, right? This is it's not noise, yeah. And I think it's the most important thing for people to understand is like this is the signal now. It's it's this is not. Uh, it's not conspiracy theory. Oh goodness me, aren't these people being ridiculous? Like, no. It's, it, if you actually take the time to step back and look at it, it's quite clear that there's something going on. 
and uh, I think it has to be addressed, and it has to be addressed at, at a social level. It has to be addressed in society because um, the, the politicians aren't going to sort it out. You know, they're either complicit or they're just useful idiots. A lot of them, you know, they just do whatever they're told, uh, and, and they're quite happy playing political games and you know, virtue signalling about this, that, and whatever, while this thing just rumbles on in the background. Yeah, and and it's and it's becoming incredibly dangerous. And and actually, if people, you know, a lot of people think, well, okay, well, you know, these things sort themselves out, don't they? We got all the regulators there, and this that's the Toby you know, line. Yeah, oh, right. Okay, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, oh yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's going to be fine because because people yeah. will resist. You're right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, it, people people are very complacent. Yeah, and and actually, you know, one of one of the things. You know, some of the stuff that I've seen over the past few years. You know, I spent a lot of time out in the street going to the protests and meeting people. You go and talk to the, the special forces operators out there going, look, there's something, there's something going on here. You have formal special, former paras, people who are in the elite regiments of the British military out on the streets of London saying, look, um, we've done an extremely good job over the past couple of centuries of protecting the British people from invasion. right? But what we're seeing here... The psychological tactics that are being used, the way that the media is being manipulated, uh, all of this um, divide and divide and rule stuff that's going on, pitting different parts of the population together against these sort of polar opposite things, whether that's about race or gender or you know, sexual orientation, whatever it might be, that is a ruse to distract us from something nefarious. And I think that it's this. Yeah. Right. Right. It, it, it's these it's these digital control platforms, and it's the fact that they want to get they want your DNA. So right? there's th- a, there's a war going on for your for your DNA. So this is it. This is their control mechanism, the biosecurity state. Yeah. Um, and you you haven't mentioned technocracy, but it seems to me that uh, genomics is intimately related with the techn- technocratic vision. Yeah. Well, I mean you. These people believe that they can and have the right to manipulate creation. Yes. Like evolution. To control it and to direct it to their own ends. And they'll talk about it in the context of improving human life and healthcare and all these kind of nice fluffy things. When you dig into it, it's nice. This is. It's profoundly evil, I think, and, 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 and it's really set up in a way that is designed to make a lot of money for a very small group of people, like most of these things are. And a lot of the investments in this biotechnological industry, yeah, which is being built on the back of the you know the british taxpayer right in this instance but you know ultimately the goal will will be to for this to be a global platform right they'll be playing the global monopoly game which is the game that the big tech firms have been playing for the past 30 40 years right there's a dominant player of one in each different industry category in music it's spotify in search it's um it's it's google in social media it's facebook although that's changing a bit with tiktok and people like that right uh, but but essentially these are these are monopoly platforms and they want this to be the spotify of genomics right which will mean that it will be what the one or, or or one of a very small group of dominant global players who are focused on this, 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 this marketplace, this, this, e- this data ecosystem, right? right? And they'll and they'll and they'll have that information. So they'll have your genetic data, and obviously that will then be integrated alongside all of the other information that they have about you. And that again, as I was saying, is going to coalesce towards a 
total ownership of of you really your deepest thoughts even you know they're getting they're already getting into things like um preemptive censorship so they that based on your behavior patterns they they think that they think that you're about to say something so they'll insert a bit of information into your timeline which will prevent you from saying the thing that they thought you're about to say that's already happening yeah really doing that yeah absolutely that's already happening yeah you think of Facebook and Instagram, they've probably been doing that for quite some time. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that they've been doing. This is, this is, this is a cyber war, cyber war that we've been living through. Yeah, so that's already going on. So they know what you've been searching for on the internet. They know what you've been spending your money on. And very soon, if they get the CBDC and they'll be able to control how you spend your money. Yeah, they'll be able to manipulate your bank balance. They'll be able to take money out of your account. They'll be able to force you to spend it. So in, in case it expires, they'll be able to control where you're able to use it um, by geolocating you. So this 15-minute city thing, for example, will become very real when you aren't able to spend your money outside of your 15-minute city. Right? Mm. Essentially, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the capability for what I describe as a global concentration camp. Right? that's what it is yeah and, it, yeah. and it's, all, it's all linked into these technologies into the phones and the way that they're being used by by, by well, these are they're, they're, they're tyrants they're dictators these, these fascists in central well, government when you were working on this stuff when mm-hmm. you still are working on this stuff did you did, did, did any of your colleagues seem to show any sense that what was going on here was deeply sinister uh when I, so when I was working on this stuff, so look, yeah, so like, I mean, so the reason I know quite a lot about this, by the way, generally touched on, is that I actually had a couple of meetings with the guy that runs um, Genomics England back in 2021, right? So I, I, I have quite privileged access to no commercially sensitive information that's not in the public domain, but I've had conversations with the people running the systems and I've been involved in organizations that have been advising them around specifically ethical issues relating to the use of, of artificial intelligence across these data platforms, right? And the people that are really smart in this space, really smart, are uh, they basically think that AI is actually evil. That's a direct quote, right? From the, 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 who I, the person that I view as the top thinker in this space. Uh, the the uh, the AI is actually evil, and what the what the empaths, yeah, what the what the what the good the good guys, yeah, the white hats in this are trying to do, is uh, to put rules and guidelines and structures in place around the creation of the technology to make sure that it's made in a sensible way and that you know everything's going to be done by the book and it's going to be ethical and we're going to, it's going to, you are going to do it in the right way aren't you yeah don't worry and then but it's, and but then then the predators come in and they're like yeah 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 oh yeah yeah would you, yeah don't oh don't you worry we come over here you tell us the way that we need to do it and then you go tell everyone that you've done that with us and then we'll just carry on doing what we were going to do anyway right and that's and that's really what it is and i think that the 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 a lot of the issues that and and you see this everywhere right it's like we've i think we've lost our capacity as a as a society to really comprehend evil like to really look it in the face and understand what it is because i think that the people building these systems are evil and they're and they're and they're intending to do evil stuff with it right like it's you know they're talking about um having and, and but again this is all, all 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 the things that we were being told through the pandemic were just wild 
off the wall, crazy. How can you possibly say that? You're in, you know, this is insane kind of stuff. They're actually out in the open saying that, right? So there was a, a piece of communication that came from the World Economic Forum. It was a lady called Amy Webb from NYU Stern Business School, interestingly. So she's not, she's not, not a healthcare person, she's a business person, right? And she basically says that this technology is going to allow us to not just edit genomes, but also write a new code for life, right? And we'll, we'll have right level permissions for life and this has already begun, and the COVID-19 vaccines use engineered code in the form of messenger RNA. So actually, they're basically saying, yeah, all of the stuff that people were talking about with the, you know, this might actually alter your genetic sequence. So I actually know that, that that was true. And that's just the starting point, right? Because what they're saying is they want to go in and they want to, they want to engineer you, you at a genetic level and they're going to mine you using artificial intelligence algorithms at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a genetic level, right? For me, when I think about DNA, I think about it as, as our individual resonant frequency, right? It's like your soul it really is like that. It's as profound as that to me. Yeah, and they want to go in and they want to mine that for opportunities to come up with ways to monetize and to interfere with it using these chemicals that they're creating. And, and, and these are the same people that have been behind all of the death and destruction that we've seen in the vaccination program over the past three years. Yeah. So this is these are the Pfizer's. So Pfizer's Pfizer that you were talking about Netanyahu earlier. That deal that he was talking about um, was was a deal that he cut with with Anthony Baller, mano a mano, the two of them. You know, a bit like uh, Ursula von der Leyen. Maybe that's why she doesn't want to share her text messages, right? Yeah. It's like maybe she's cut a deal for our souls as well. I mean, if you're going to put it like that, oh, right. I think highly unlikely. She's a she's a stand up woman. Great. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from her husband is also big in genomics, right? I mean, that's where he made all his money. So maybe, maybe not, yeah. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's Pfizer, it's, it's Borla, and it's, and it's BioNTech, and actually a big bunch of the... Because, again, this is a market, right? And, it, and it's not... This isn't, this isn't, oh, this might happen at some point in the future. It's like, no, this is happening right now. It's mm. happened. They've already done it. Yeah, it already exists. They're just scaling it up. And actually, there are deals being cut by companies like BioNTech, who they're investing hundreds of billions, hundreds, sorry, not hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions, the deals that I've seen, hundreds of millions, let's be really clear, I'm not going to, I'm going to descend into hyperbole at any point, all of this stuff is level-headed assessment, as far as I'm concerned, of what's going on, yeah, so BioNTech are spending hundreds of millions on investing in startups who are basically operating on top of this data platform, and they're doing it using money that was made from the COVID vaccines, right, yeah, so we've paid for this. We've paid for it all the way along. This is taxpayer money. And yes, you were right earlier. Jeremy Hunt is now standing up in front of Parliament going, oh, we're going to have to tighten our belts a little bit here, guys, <laughs> because we've spent all the money and we've spent it building a slave platform for you that you are now going to have to pay for, basically in perpetuity, yeah, because you know, that amount of cash, and with the inflation that's running rampant, right, because they've printed all this money and given it to their friends in the banks and spent it on stupid things like Test and Trace, which is run by Dido Harding, who, as far as I can ascertain, is an idiot, because I was actually sat in a room 
there was she had a big data breach when she was the CEO of Talk Talk, and I remember sitting in a room with a bunch of big four partners, and they were talking about, oh, we've got to go and see Dido and talk to her about what's happened. And the stuff that they were coming up with, it's like, they, you idiots, you morons, all of you are morons. I, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, I don't know how you can walk into a room with someone like that and say the things that you're saying and be taken credibly. But apparently they were being taken credibly, which tells you, as far as I'm concerned, everything you need to know about her as an executive. doesn't know what's going on. And she's run. she was the chairman of Genomics England, actually. She was the chair <laughs> before she went off to do tests and trades. It's, 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 it's mucky as hell. Got to be- <laughs> um... Just to, to sidetrack you slightly, what's yeah. your take on Asim Malhotra? I think Asim is, um, he is a, a very passionate and very intelligent and very um, warm-hearted person. I think he's a great guy, yeah. I really, right. I, I re- I really like Asim. He's, he, he, he's getting a lot of flack at the moment. Look, so basically, there, there are a bunch of die-hard truthers out there, right? And, you know, I probably stick myself in that camp, to be honest with you. And they look at people like Asim, and Asim's not the only one. There's a bunch of clinicians coming out now. And there were people who were, they were very vocally pro-vax at the start. Yeah. And they're coming out now and they're saying, um, uh, it's got to be stopped. And it's like, good, good. But also, I think, and this is not just for a scene, this is, this is for the entire medical profession as, as, as this evolves and we come out of it, right? And, you know, we sort of trans, transition into whatever the hell is going to happen next is that I think people need to see a little bit of humility, I think, I, I would say, right? Because actually there, there were a lot of people and they weren't thinking irrationally or anything like that. You know, they were, they were looking at it and going, this stinks. This doesn't make any sense. It's all being forced. You cannot, and this is really the crucial point, and this, and this is why meds, medicine's in a re, is in real trouble at the moment, as far as I'm concerned. And and that's the academy itself. Yeah, the whole stack, top to bottom, as far as I'm concerned, right, is that you cannot bend the laws of reality in order to fit in with an artificial timeline that's been handed down to you by the government. You cannot run a long-term safety study for a novel a novel um, uh, pharmaceutical in six to 12 months. You can't do it. It's not possible to do that. So you can't come out and tell everyone that it is. It isn't. Yeah. And and what and what and what's happening, right? Because you see this, yeah, and there's a lot of the, particularly the, the old, the, 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 let's say, let's call them more mature and well-established clinicians. And they were sort of going to these, there was an interview with Neil Oliver back in January. It was this guy, Neil Oliver was talking to, and he was just doing the, the classic clinician thing, right? Which is what they're trained to do. It's the bedside manner. It's like, I know best, yes. Mm. I've read the literature. I understand the situation. And this guy was getting, Neil Oliver was, was poking at him, going, look, I don't think that you really get it. And the guy's sitting there going, no, 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 no. You have to understand it. And then he starts waving around a copy of the BMJ. And it's like, it's the print copy of the BMJ. And I was like, that's, are you still going, that's your, that's what you're, getting your information from like the, the the ecosystem has changed first of all the editorial board as far as i'm concerned the bmj and the lancet they've disgraced themselves yeah like that entire yeah. process like and, and also by the way all of the major newspapers particularly the guardian i got a real thing for the Guardian. i think there's something nasty going on at the guardian right i, don't, I do not trust a thing that they have to say about anything hmm. um and their relationship with bill gates is is inexcusable Right, and they've actually that, and there was a there was a bunch of money that they've given uh, around the vaccine, you know, promoting his vaccine agenda, but it is, which is now shifted over to to um, trying to make everyone vegan, 
right? So I think he, someone told me the other day, I, you, this would need to be fact-checked, but someone told me the other day that he's giving them 30 million quid to um to to promote his his new right. agenda right right you know, right yeah around, around food um so the so yeah so i think clinicians need to understand that the the particularly more senior clinicians like you need to understand that um the 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 the, the media ecosystem has changed things are moving very quickly there's a lot of the emergent information that is entirely valid that needs to be looked at uh, and you cannot just dismiss it because the editorial board at the BMJ or the Lancet has told you that it's not worth looking at. You've got to do the work, sir, or madam, yeah. like whatever. Like you've got to do it. Yeah, this is not you, this abdication of responsibility to the institutions is not acceptable. The, this giant genomic sort of database. Yeah, is there any way we, we can opt out? Uh I mean, look, as I said, they're, they're introducing it into the neonatal pathway. So the thing is, it, it kind of doesn't matter if you or I opt out of it too much because it, uh, eventually everyone, every, every, well, yeah, you dead at some point, won't you? So, uh, you know, and they'll, but, they'll, but they will try and engineer a situation where they get it, yeah. So, and, and actually, you know, again, like and one of these things that we were being told through the pandemic, this was a crazy conspiracy theory, we know now that a lot of the testing companies have been selling your genetic data that they gathered from doing the testing. Like, we know that that's happened. So, they've probably gathered, you know, I don't know if Jeremy Singleton has gone and acquired that, but someone has, because someone's been selling it on the open market. So, okay, well, we thought that that might be an issue. Well, it has turned out to be an issue, right? So now, there's, you know, if you have one of those tests, and depending on which company was doing it, they might have flogged your genetic data to someone. Yeah. Which is actually worse than sending any, as far as I'm concerned, it's worse than sending any other kind of data. What if they sold it to, I don't know, the Chinese military, for example? Right? What are, what of our big geopolitical rivals? What if they just gone and just acquired the data set for the entire population? Everyone that's, that, that's taken one of these tests. We don't know. I'm not saying that's definitely happened, by the way. Yeah. But it could have done. We don't know. And there's a whole bunch of things that could have happened that actually have in hindsight happened that we were told at the time were completely preposterous and actually no that's not the case yeah it's quite interesting what you were saying about um that this is evil because actually i, I i'm not sure how aware you are of the 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 scriptural implications of this because the whole point, and, and, and people like C.S. Lewis have written about this in fictional form in, in his book, That Hideous Strength. Uh, and ultimately, what this is about, what te technocracy is about, what genomics is about, what the Tower of Babel is about, which, which by the way, has been built in, the, in, the, in, in Brussels. Um, it's about supplanting God. It's about replacing God. It's, it's like, you've got this immune system, um, which which the Christians say is God given, uh, you know, but we don't believe it because uh, we know we know it, it would all evolve from Big Bang. But um, we are going to create something better than your immune system. We are going to, and of course, what's even more evil about this? I mean, as if that wasn't evil enough, trying to replace your, your creator um, with this kind of simulated stuff i mean it errs that stuff uh even worse is that you and i know because of, of that charity you work for and because of all the, the 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 research i've done which is that all these if if you had to make a list of 
the things that people most worry about health-wise, the things that make them cherish the NHS because they think of it as their their salvation from these these deadly threats. They're things like cancer, number one, which is which is just heavily promoted across the entertainment industry, and you know everyone's persuaded that that it is is the what it should be their number one fear. And then you've got MS, you've got I mean Alzheimer's, you've got all these horrible chronic uh, c- conditions. And you and I know that all these conditions are created by the the food and pharmaceutical industries. I mean, the, the, the childhood vaccination causes a lot of these things. Uh, environmental pollution causes uh, you know, and, and bad food. So ultra processed food, yeah. So actually, one of you know someone I've met recently who shall remain nameless describe and who knows about this stuff because works at the top level of the pharmaceutical industry described the health system as a way to create, collect, and kill sick people as profitably as possible. Right. Yeah, that's the NHS. Unfortunately, yeah, because it's beholden to that. And, and and actually, so and actually, one of the one of my colleagues in the charity had a meeting with a, with one of the British UK health secretary, in, you know, recently to talk about the actual evidence that we've gathered from experimentation that has demonstrated that we can reverse type two diabetes, yeah, through through changing people's diet and changing their lifestyle. Right? We know that we can do that. Yeah, we have actual evidence. Yeah, that that shows that this is possible. That was introduced to the health secretary, and the health secretary's response was, "You don't understand how beholden the health system is to the food and pharmaceutical industries in this country," which is essentially to say, "You don't understand how beholden I am to the food and pharmaceutical industry in this country." That's the person running the health system. Whoa. Right. Yeah. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. And so what do we do, Ben? <laughs> Come on, sort this right. one out. You're a consultant, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Solve this problem. Well, look, I, so there's, 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 there's two big things that I think are really important. Uh, the, the first one is, um, it, it, well, I describe it as socialisation of care. So, um, and, that, and there, there are two components to that. The first one is that um, this needs to, People need to start taking much better care of themselves, yeah, and 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 that means eating better, sleeping better, drinking better, like actually, you know, and, and I mean, putting good things into their body. We talk about real food, right? So basically, anything that your grandmother or your great grandmother would recognise as food, that's what we should be eating. None of this packaged, ultra processed stuff, even if it purports to be healthy, yeah. Because there's a lot of these, you know, particularly these, you know fake meat things coming along at the moment they're like hey this is the healthy option and you dig into how it's made and what's in it it's like this is got absolute garbage this is just yeah. going to accelerate all of the the problems that we've got so people have got to eat better yeah and that's about um individuals doing that and but obviously it's not easy for us to you know it's expensive food's expensive it's becoming more expensive so actually we need to look right down into the supply chain like how is people need to grow more food we need more farmers. We need more small smallholders, as far as I'm concerned. Right, the mm. industrialized farming is 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 just as bad as industrialized pharmaceuticals. Right, and, mm. and there's a lot of the same players involved in, in in both areas. Yeah, 
you know so we need to get back to to real food we need to get back to to living healthier less sedentary lives we need to um take personal responsibility for doing that but then we also need to as communities um coordinate our efforts towards making that possible right and 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 actually we we have become disconnected from each other as as individuals right that's that's a big part and it's not just because you know we were forced to interact via zoom for three years or two years whatever it was that's been going on in the background for quite some time yeah so there's there's a drive back towards community you know however you want to approach that you you know i kind of touched on the church and, and and scripture and i think that's a good place to go actually you know we don't have a coordinated well we do we've got the church of england but I mean, what have they been promoting for the past three years well yeah. the same as everyone else right yeah, yeah. like yeah. you know and we can we could do a whole nother show on 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 that if you want to i wouldn't be surprised bro, bro, ben, brother if, james if, <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if the board of illumina included the archbishop of canterbury well have you seen some of the stuff they are investing in we, we can go down a rabbit hole here by the way <laughs> <laughs> what who's that who you be the church who's invested in yeah what? look at what they're investing in was there's, there's uh... Would you want to do this? <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we said one of the things they're invested in is there's, there's there's a company called Hypnosis, like H I P G N O S I S, Hypnosis. Yeah. Which is run by Elton John's former manager, and basically, what well, they they're, they're trading on the they're FTSE 100, and basically, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a shell company. What they do, they'll go around and they'll buy the back catalogue of of top performers of stage and screen right so elton john and who else did they buy recently um justin timberlake they bought and basically they buy these as assets yeah which they're then going to sweat forever because they'll just keep on remastering the albums and then running them on spotify and because they're massive they'll make money from them it's like a you know it's it's, it's an established kind of investment strategy and the church of england's putting money into that so why are you putting money into that uh, what 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 possible public good is going to come from church of england money being put into an investment fund that's making multi-millionaires out of celebrities like, this is absurd it's completely absurd um you know so there's probably not much hope for them to be honest with you i mean i, I think we need to go through and get uh, they, 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 we need to clean house yeah, we need we need to clean house, and we need to clean house across the board. Yeah, so all of the all of the major institutions. Yeah, so actually we look at you know look at the pharmaceutical industry just to go back into healthcare. Yeah, so places like uh, the Wellcome Trust, for example, director of the Wellcome Trust, Jeremy Farrar, he's he's he need, has some questions to answer as far as I'm concerned. Just a bit. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, like he was on stage, so they oversaw the whole lockdowns and everything that's happened from through COVID, and he's now moved up to this senior position in the World Health Organization Science Council, right? And apparently, the first the first priority of the World Health Organization Science Council is to accelerate access to genomics for the global population. Yeah, that's what WHO is most particularly interested in. Is, yes. is that the same WHO that's largely funded by the Chinese Communist Party and Bill Gates? Uh, exactly, and the UK government as well. So the British, the British oh, taxpayers. Yeah, we're in the top three with those two, I think. Yeah, exactly. Are so, we? So the, yeah, CCP, Bill Gates, and us, and and, and, our, and, and Bethel, and all that lot. Right. Like, oh, okay. Oh. You know, <laughs> imagine what the conversations are like around the dinner table. Um, and yeah. this, yeah. So, and, and they're creating this global investment fund to push this technology, this genomics technology, out, and in the same way that Gavi does, by the way. And and, and Gavi, you know, you're familiar with Gavi? which is the global yeah, vaccines yeah, it's not alliance. Like 
yeah, exactly. Just one of these, um, you know, sort of beholden to, to, to Bill Gates and, and all of this institutional money. And they're actually hiring because I received a job specification from them the other day, basically saying, hey, we're hiring for a, uh, someone to come in and run our strategy and operations in working, I think it's in Switzerland somewhere. And, um, you know, and I potentially fit the profile for that, right? So I got. What, the, got what's the, the salary? I'll do it. it. Unstated, probably quite a bit. But basically, it's, it, it's you know, it's certainly several hundred thousand, right? I mean, it's a big old job. Yeah, and you're working into do the I director. Get, do I get a helicopter? I'd, I'd imagine that there are helicopters around that you could access. Do I, I, get, I, I, do I get a cat to stroke? Because that, <laughs> you know, a white cat. <laughs> And the volcano. Oh goodness me! I don't know. Like there might be some arcane ceremonies that you have to attend at some point. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But it, it, the um, but basically their their whole position right now, yeah. So Gavi's position now is in the job specification. I can send it to you to have a look at. Their position now, still today, in what are we end of March twenty twenty three, is that the most important thing that happens in global healthcare is that we continue to push the use of COVID vaccines to the world population. And it's all positioned in these equitable, you know, equitable access to healthcare terms, right? Which is yeah. like, we haven't jabbed, we haven't caused enough damage in the the rich countries. We've got to come into your nations and we've got to jab all of you. And then by the way, the WHO are going to come in over our shoulder and we're going to, going to take your blood and we're going to get you onto our database. And then we're going to be mining you for opportunities to, to do the whole thing again. That's what's basically going on. Another person, um, this is linked to the Wellcome Trust, is this lady Regina Dugan, yeah, who's the former director at DARPA, former Google, Facebook. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects yeah. Academy, I think it is. I can't remember the the final A. Yeah, they invented the internet apparently. Yeah, they invented a whole bunch of things, right? But it's, it's, I mean, this is real, it's military industrial complex stuff, yeah, right? I mean, it's, and, and 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 actually, Cummings is a bit, big fan. Dominic Dom- gets big in his big in his trousers about DARPA. He thinks that we should have more of that stuff over here. Well, so actually, I, th- I think this, the special ops approach to, to complex problem solving is a good thing, actually. And but the thing is, is what are you deploying that approach on? And that's really the issue, right? There's no there's no ethical guardrails around any of this stuff. Like what this woman Dugan has been doing at Facebook, like they would have been experimenting on like emotional emotionally manipulating the global population of, of facebook users which is like a third of the global population right yeah but this woman is now running something called welcome leap which is in part focused on progressing genomic technologies and again that's that's run out of um run out of california and that's directly connected to the welcome trust where jeremy farrow who was he would have appointed her because he's been appointed in the past couple of years while he was the director uh, another place that I think needs to be looked at is the Helix Center, which is linked to Imperial College, which was um, very uh, has received large amounts of money from Bill Gates over the past few years, right? And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's over a hundred million. I think. Yeah, it received a lot of money, and that's run by a guy called Lord Darzai, who actually declared war on anti-vaxxers in a piece in the Times in October last year. So again, this is like this isn't start of the pandemic. Or maybe you could have just been a bit overexcited. It's like no, no, no. All of that's kind of happened now. All of the data coming out of the system has been telling us that this is going catastrophically wrong for quite some time, and yet you're going into the Times newspaper writing an op-ed saying that anti-vaxxers are a th- existential threat that has to be eradicated or something to that effect. It's like whoa, okay. And that guy, by the way, is on the Privy Council. So that's right up to the top level of 
advising the king. This is, this is advising the head of state. Yeah, it's not my king. It, me either. No. And actually, one of the things that we could potentially do is let's cancel the bloody coronation. I don't think that... And not least because Charles stood on stage in November 2020 and co-launched the Great Reset with Klaus Schwab. Like, how... What? How is this... What? How has this happened? And and how is this being... Well, we know how it's being progressed and ignored because no one in the newspapers is telling people to get up in arms about it, right? But it's it's, it's absolutely wild at this point. Um, so I think that, um, you know, to answer your question, what can people do? I think get involved, get get researching for a start. Like, you've got to get your head into some of this stuff. You don't need to know all of the gory details, but you at least need to understand that um, something is up, right? And that they're... Um, as scary as it might sound right actually what's kind of happened now is that they've run out of road as far as i'm concerned right this is over yeah the the evidence is in it's already it's already it's already gone so they're still in control of the the institutions but that steering wheel that they were turning that used to make the 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 institution go that way and the other way like it's actually become disconnected and they're just sort of flapping around and actually the whole thing's going off piece and and it's now a clown car Exactly, yeah, and, and and hopefully our conversation here today will help will help accelerate that process. Because frankly, I've had enough of it. I really have. Like, the, we, what we need is transparency. And we need justice. We need, I think, uh, a, a full forensic, independent audit of uh, the test and trace program that we talked about earlier of Operation Moonshot. I would like to, you know, we've had this sort of drip feed from the Telegraph, which is funded by Bill Gates, about you know Hancock being a bit of a naughty boy, but really everyone else is really fine. It's like, no, 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 no. I want to see everything declassified, unredacted, all communication within central government between all the different departments, all of the ministers, all of their all of their teams, all of the supranational organisations, all of the newspapers, all of the broadcasters, the BBCs on the block, the whole bloody lot. We want to see it all and we want to have it uh, available for public scrutiny. And I don't want to have anything mediated to me by the political system or by the newspapers. I've had enough of all of them. Yeah, there's absolutely no one in there who is doing the right thing as far as I'm concerned. You know, I've got, got a few people like Brigden. He's been standing up and saying a couple of things, but mm, doesn't smell right to me. There was another guy earlier on in the pandemic. He was making some noise. I forget his name now, but he was talking up, talking about the lockdowns and Lord Sumption and people like that. Just like, yeah, OK, but what did that do? Nothing. It carried on going and we're here now. And and actually, I think that the it needs to we, we need we need adults in the room, and I commend everything that I have said on this interview to anyone in the professions, and I mean doctors, lawyers, the works, right, accountants. Yeah, if you're a sensible, serious person in a in, in a sensible, serious job, pull your finger out and, and get investigating this. The data stacks up. Yeah, it absolutely stacks up, and unfortunately. You know, we believe, and I think people have been conned in, in, in many ways, people believe that the system has been set up in a way that is democratic, that is meritocratic. We think that wicked people are held to account. Uh, we think that things are going to sort themselves out, and actually they aren't sorting themselves out in this instance, right? They, they, this, is, this needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed by us. And, and, and also, I would, I would, to add on to that, younger generation so i'm 41 right so i'm, I'm as, as old as a millennial can be millennials you've got to get involved right because i'm starting to see a lot of boomers and a lot of gen x people who are starting to look at this stuff millennials have got to get involved gen z have got to get involved thankfully 
actually there is a generation because I spend I work in quite a lot in music so I spend a lot of time with younger artists and people in their sort of 18 19 20 21 years old there's a whole bunch of people in that generation who 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 can who can see it all very clearly thank you very much um so it, and it, so there's this kind of real sort of funny hardcore of the 25 to sort of 35 to 40 year olds who've got their head stuck in the sand and uh, they just don't appear to be interested or even aware that anything's going on. It's like, guys, it's, 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 again, it's like March 2023. It's been going on for over three years. Get, get in the game. Yeah, because if you don't, then you're not going to have any say in how this plays out at all, right? And, 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 and if you know, we want a society which works for everybody, then that's going to require everyone to get involved and help us to specify it and to build it. Yeah, so let's have a conversation about that. Yeah, really, really important. Um, I'd also say men, we've got to step up because a lot of the conversation, a lot of the, is, is, is a lot of the, the noise making around this has been led by women over the past few years. I've noticed that. So we need some more male voices to step into the into the conversation, right? And actually, you know. <laughs> There has been a war on masculinity, and again, we could do a whole show on that. Um, but uh, and, and, and as far as I'm concerned, a lot of that noise, a lot of that um, demonization of men has really just served to um, precipitate the problem. It's like, because actually, you know, you know, even a lot of my friends or people that I've spoken to, it's like, well, I got vaccinated because, you know, my missus insisted. But I didn't really, it didn't seem right, but then I did it anyway because I was manipulated into doing it by my wife or my girlfriend or whatever it is. It's like, you, women need to actually understand that, that, that men have a role that is about protection. That, and, and maybe we have some kind of spidey sense, deep-seated, like, instinctual thing that when we look at stuff, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, this isn't quite right. Maybe we should start to listen to that a little bit more. Yeah, mm. I think that would probably be a good thing to do. Um... And just as a, as a society, we, we got to, we got to pull together, really. Like the, the we're too stratified, right? The, the 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 gap between the top and the bottom is far too big, right? We've known that for quite some time, but it's getting worse, right? And actually, by the way, if you're middle class and you think that you're going to be, oh, you know, I'll keep my head down, I'll be okay, and everything will be all right, it's like no, it won't. They're pulling the ladder up. Right, they don't need most like most of those high value professions like being an accountant, you know, which was a very good, solid, dependable thing. That's an algorithm now. You, they don't need you. Yes. So, like you, you might have made a good living doing that, but your kids aren't. So, what are they going to have left? There's not going to be anything there for them. Right? Do you know what, Ben? That, that of all the all the very very useful things you've he- you said today, that might be the most important because I think that so many people think that they're going to be on the arc it's it's okay it's not going to affect them nope so it's it, it, it's it, 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 it and this and it's, this is all part of the great reset agenda by the way right so if you read that book yeah so i read it again recently just to refresh myself and there's a whole section in there which basically says it is inevitable i'm going to paraphrase right it's not a direct quote but it is inevitable that there will be an increasingly small number of high value jobs and therefore, there will be a whole bunch of people who are currently in the middle classes or even the upper middle classes or even the upper classes, right? You know, think about QC or cases as they are now, like top barristers, people like that. They're going to need you. You're not your surplus to requirement, right? So, and, and the people building the platforms, they don't care about you. 
I mean, not least because most of them are they're certainly not in this country. We don't have an advanced technology. You know, there isn't a tech industry per se. I mean, we got we do have some real assets in places like Arm, for example, and around the Science Park in Cambridge. But it's like, you know, the, the big tech barons, the Silicon Valley type, they don't care about you. They absolutely yeah. could not care less about you. And the idea that you're going to somehow be okay because of you know you're. You, I don't know what people think it is that's protecting them, right? And the thing is, there's there's a whole you know a bunch of communities in this in this country. I was talking to some friend of mine, Jamaican guy, the other day, right? He's been here for, for quite a few years. He's in his um, late fifties, right? And you know, I said to him, uh, I, I'm really worried about the way things are going. He's like, do you know what? We've been telling. I don't, I don't want to sound harsh, but we've been telling you lot. We've been telling my white. I've been telling my white friends for decades that this is how this lot are running system, right? And 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 you haven't been able to see it. Yeah, you've kind of known because obviously you, you. I've heard you use the word Babylon, James. Right? It's yeah, like, Babylon. Yeah, right. That's what it is. Yeah, there's there's it's a it's a hierarchical system. It's managed from the top. And um, if you've been a, a lawyer or an accountant or a professional person, actually, you've been an administrative class in Babylon, right? That's an, that's kind of what you are. Yeah, in this country. Yeah, like you don't see it like that, but actually, that's what it is. Yeah, because you're running, you're helping run the institutions on behalf of the establishment. The establishment is Babylonian. It's a Babylonian system, right? And there's a, there's only a few people that get into that strata, and then below that, it's working class and the destitute. Yeah. And you know, we pay our taxes and we'll take care of them, and that's all fine. But in in reality, that doesn't work because the government's not been fixing any of that stuff. And 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 you're about to, and you, if not you, your progeny, yeah, your kids, they're about to drop out of the bottom of that thing into the, the 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 global poor basically and that's that's what they've constructed and that's where this whole thing is headed to yeah yeah luckily we've got jar who's going to save us rastafari yeah exactly. we do Abs- absolutely which by the way is one of the reasons why i think that um the 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 jamaican sound systems are so popular particularly with like the the, the, the white people yeah people like me for example is that uh, a lot it's about the sound but it's also about the word yeah it's about it's, and ultimately the word is the word of god and it's what we of course what we, and it's what Logos. we haven't it's what we haven't been getting from the church because the church is fundamentally corrupt and actually it's quite happy to ignore the word of god actually that's what by the way doing. just just on before we go yes do you think um lee scratch perry um, was a, a goodie or a baddie in terms of his his um, understanding of the world. You know, when he talked about, um, I'm going to put on the iron shirt and send him back to Earth. Do you think he was taking, he was on devil's side or do you think he was um, not? I'm going to say, I don't know enough about Lee Perry, to be honest with you, but I mean, I have seen him in concert, and 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 uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because I think that he was a a mystic, and I believe that he was a um, a very spiritual and powerful man, and I'm gonna say that he was he was on the he was on the side of good in all of this. That's right. what that's what I would say. Can I can I just give a couple of little shout outs to a couple of things that you totally to can. You've been great, Ben. You've earned it. You've earned your shout out. <laughs> All right, cool. So there's, there's two things that I want to I would like to flag people's attention to. So I've got one project that I'm launching, which is already launched actually. It's out there. It's called Rise, and that's about unification of the British people. Yeah, we have got to come together people all of us who look straight to the camera now and start having a collective discussion about what's going on how we got here where we want to go to next 
And if you want to live in a society that works for everybody, that is an imperative. It's non-negotiable, right? And I, and we want you involved in that conversation. Yeah, we're stagnating otherwise. And there are people talking about civilizational collapse right now. Yeah, and I don't want Western civilization to collapse because I think there's a lot of good here. And I know that it's had a real bad rap and our leaders are doing some unexcusable things and they have been doing for quite some time. But the people are good people. Yeah, and we need to come together. And we need to, we need to, we need to build something that works for everybody, and you need to participate in that discussion. And you can find that on Substack. So it's riseuk.substack.com. R I S E riseuk.substack.com. That's the first thing. So come and join us there. And then I'm doing another project which is called Pattern, and that's about unlocking what I call real growth. So when we talk about growth at the minute normally it's all gdp and revenue and profit and all that kind of stuff right but that's too crude and actually that singular focus on making money is driving a lot of the issues that we face yeah um you know love of money is the root of all evil as they say yeah and actually real growth the kind of growth that has actually driven the civilization that we all live in forward in centuries past yeah because this desperate focus on profit is quite a new thing real growth is much more balanced than just being about money yeah it's about economic technological and spiritual progress it's getting those three things to work together yeah that's the way that we get back to real civilizational growth so we want to be able to make money yes but we also want to advance the state of the art the state of the science and technology and make sure that's deployed properly in a way that works for everybody but crucially and this is the bit that gets ignored constantly now is we got to do that in a way that is spiritually sound right and it nurtures our people as a collective so that we can build together towards greater things right and if we don't get those three things balanced properly then we are going to run into trouble, right? And this is an immediate thing. Um, and you can come and find out about Pattern also on Substack. I love Substack. It's the future of media, actually. It's amazing. I like Substack. Yeah, it's real good. You've got a good Substack. I, I find it. it it's the best It's the best platform. As, as, a, as a writer, I find it the most satisfying. To I can, I can edit my copy most easily. I can... I can put in hyperlinks in a way that I can't with some of the other ones, you know, like locals. It's quite, it's, it's, it's a more satisfying reader experience. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's basically, it's completely taken away all barriers to entry in media. This is why the, the newspaper, the newspaper, they don't sell any newspapers anymore. Right. But it, like the newspaper brands, why they're so screwed and mm. it's why you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you don't need to trust them. It's like, well, I, you know, I read, I, read, I read this newspaper because it's, you know, it's got the masthead and it's, it's always got an editorial board and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, but you could have someone writing out of their back room who's a much better writer. You can give all the money directly to them and they don't have to pay all the overheads of the office and, 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 and it's a much better, more open media ecosystem. Anyway, enough about Substack. The Substack for Pattern is Pattern18 substack.com and i'm going to be sharing a load of the tools and a load of the things that i've seen through my career in complex system change and digitization and basically just open up the toolkit of the things that we did and have been doing around how to drive economic technological spiritual progress inside large companies for top top corporations basically just open that whole thing up so people can see it and they can apply it in their own businesses and we can decentralize 
the economic system. It's a big part of what needs to happen next. Yeah, we need to decentralize. We need to get away from these globalized digital platforms. We need to put power back in the hands of people. Right. Let's bring things back in. Let's repatriate a bunch of our supply lines. Let's grow things for ourselves. Let's not import food from Africa the whole time. Let's not buy clothing from Nike who builds things and creates things in sweatshops. Let's stop buying Apple products because we know that they use forced labor in concentration camps in China. Like it is unconscionable that, that, that our system runs like this and it's within all of our grasp to change it, but we've got to get actively involved in building the new system in order to make that possible. And that that's really, you know, you asked earlier what needs to happen next. I think we that that's really it for me. We've got to unify We've got to share ideas. We've got to be open-minded. We've got to be really practical. We've got to, we've got to start directing. The, there's a huge amount of wealth and knowledge that exists in our society that needs to be spread out. Yeah, And if you're at the top and you've got a lot of money and you've got a lot of wealth to invest, then let's let's start directing that towards grassroots things that are going to be beneficial to the whole of the system. Stop chasing around trying to make an outsized return, 10xing your, your money on this, or dumping it all on crypto. Like Let's just build some infrastructure that's going to last for society. Yeah, let's do um, that. That was that was great, Ben. Um, I, I see my light started to flash in an annoying <laughs> way, which means the batteries can't cope. Um it's been really great having you on the podcast. Um, I didn't do the uh, the preamble for our sponsor, Hunter and Gather, just because I wanted to get on with the podcast today. But look, um, if you want to use their, I think Hunter and Gather are great. They're one of the companies that I like because they they don't sell food full of seed oils and stuff. Uh, they make mayonnaise that doesn't kill you. Um, but anyway, if you want to use that, you can get them at hunterandgatherfoods.com. And use the code TDP10 to get a 10% discount. Um, uh, meanwhile, don't forget, I, I, I depend, I'm afraid I'm, I, Hunter and Gather don't pay me so much that, that I, can, <laughs> I can pay my bills. <laughs> um, they might cover some of my, my uh, production costs. But anyway, if you want to support me, please, um, please do. I, I, I really value it. Uh, at Patreon, Subscribestar, Locals, Substack. You can buy me a coffee. Uh, it really makes a difference. Patreon, thanks very much. And and Ben, thank you again for being such a great, sort of unexpectedly good, because it was a bit of a punt taking you, but, but, but you were great. I'm really glad. I really enjoyed it. And I hope I meet you sometime. Yeah, let's do it, James. I'm going to put it out on my Twitter profile. James Dallingbow called me a bit of a punt. Oh, and also, uh, yeah, also, um, we, we've got to, we'll, we'll have to talk about music sometime. I know you want to talk about music. We'll, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. Well, yeah, we could do a whole other thing on Culture War, because I've, yeah. right I've been in the trenches on that. Let's just put it like that. Great. Um, okay, Ben, yeah. it's great. Thank you. I'm going to have a cup of tea now. Um, Thank I'll you, see James. You. All right.